0: i am elise
1: and i'm i'm not matt i'm loz
0: and welcome to Rapes a star trek deep space nine podcast if this is your first time joining us we're two friends watching star trek deep space nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite star trek series
1: this week we're talking about season three episode three the house of quark teleplay by ronald D. moore and directed by les landau this episode aired on October 10th, 1994.
0: This week on Deep Space Nine, after Quark lies about killing a Klingon in his barn, the dead man's widow abducts Quark to the Klingon homeworld to marry him. That sounds wild.
1: So this, well. week Matt,
0: <laughs> this week, Matt is unable to join us, but we have friend of the pod laws filling in. Hi!
1: Hi! I apologize for not being Matt. Um, I'm... I'll do my best to fit in. I'm not going to try a Canadian accent, (laughs) though.
0: I don't think that religion's going to come up on this episode. So I don't know that you'll be able to flex, like, your math skills or anything.
1: Uh, (laughs) I could try. I could try my Catholicism out for a spin. It's been a while. (laughs) Oh, it does come up, though, actually. It does come up.
0: Like math skills. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... In usual, um, pod race fashion. I don't know why I couldn't come up with that word. Um, this is where you have to ask me if I remember the episode.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Elise, do you remember this episode?
0: <laughs> I do a hundred percent remember this episode. Um, Grolka is my number two Klingon hottie after Worf's ex, Kaylor in TNG. Uh,
1: yeah, she's fantastic. Um, I don't remember, uh, war sex that much. Therefore girl is my number one. Um, Fair. and actually, uh, so the actor Mary Kay Adams was also a retur- a recurring role on Babylon five as the sort of aide to Jakar Natoth. And she was like a warrior woman on Babylon five as well under lots of prosthetics. Oh, so, uh,
0: that's fun. I was actually, um, I was, re- was going to say this later, but I was reading on Memory Alpha that Mary Kay Adams said that she really enjoyed working with Armin mm. because he was so um, supportive. So for example, you know, the Ferengi have all that, all the prosth- prosthetics and everything on their face. And he said to her, if you feel this disoriented in any way, like that's normal. <laughs> I go through it all the time. And he just like was very kind about it and said yeah. that he would like help her through. And it just seemed like really nice. And she felt very cared for working on the series. Cause it's not easy to be a guest star.
1: No. And I think that's the, that's the sort of thing you hear about Armin all the time, right? Like he yeah, would always, he would always get all of the Ferengi together to, um to run their lines together. He would have like evenings together with all of them. Um, I mean, He's just such a heart and soul of the show. Uh, in in a way that is remarkable for for a theoretically or potentially awkward and problematic race and character um his humanizing of it is incredible Or ingi no i don't know i don't know what the appropriate verb there is but uh it's such a fantastic way he performs
0: and he i think he said that it was one of his favorite episodes of the series too I am convinced that this episode is a romantic comedy and I cannot be convinced otherwise although in my version they would have gotten together at the end. Um, I feel like it's almost like an enemies to lovers slash friends. Um,
1: No spoilers for future Deep Space Nine episodes.
0: (laughs) But, but I mean thus far yeah
1: yeah I mean but Groka does come back later on in like series four or five I think I can't remember much.
0: yeah I think it's five I, I, re, I looked it up before we started yeah
1: um but yes no it was it was absolutely that like uh forced by circumstances to get yeah. uh to have an arranged marriage yeah. and can they learn to appreciate each other's talents <laughs> and grow together there
0: it's they're tropes that I genuinely love. Like, this is one of my favorite episodes of the series.
1: It's great. It's a great episode. It just, It's just a lot of fun and a lot of heart in it. And even though it's silly, it sort of takes the silliness seriously, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, I agree. So, so it doesn't feel cheap.
0: Um, I did really enjoy the bit, that one scene where Kira was like, talking with um cisco and zax and o'brien comes in and kira just doesn't understand human customs regarding like gender conversation and like privacy and i just love that kira just doesn't give a shit about gender that like really made me happy she's like basically like that sounds like some human shit like that's basically what she was saying
1: I think it's a fair point. I wonder whether it's mo- less a human shit thing and more a Miles thing. Because I suspect that uh, after however many shuttle rides with Julian talking her ear off about whatever <laughs> random crap and Dax constantly talking about whoever she's dating, de- she just assumes that everyone's this, chatty.
0: <laughs> this horny
1: polycule fam family that, that they have is. Just, uh, <laughs>
0: Uh, this whole episode was horny. I it thought was, there were was... like a lot of things that happened that I will get into maybe mm-hmm. uh, in a later section. Um, there, this episode also has one of my favorite, um, line reads of like the whole series Grilka screaming, enter husband is like the best thing I ever saw. It's like, like she owns him it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it she she's very commanding is great, and yeah. um yeah i um there's another line that you mentioned later that that, that will come that will come up oh. later, i think <laughs> yeah. uh, just a phenomenal phenomenal set of line reads you can tell that they had um uh, mary and um and Armand just had so much fun doing oh that. yeah, for sure. So the, uh, the the and then you've got Gowron, of course, so every, no, almost every line read Goweron comes up with is phenomenal. He that man this, makes choices.
0: I was um I read that this is the only episode where Gowron is on the show, but Worf isn't. Right. Which would make sense because Worf is off doing other things right now.
1: Is, is he, he on his is, leave, maybe? Yeah, so um Next gen finished at the end of season two, right? Right, yeah. So this is the first, this is where three episodes cause they like blow up the uh Galaxy Class Starship on purpose just to run right, yeah, them up. Is. Um and then yeah, then you've got this is the third episode subsequent to that. And so this is occurring between is this occurring around the same time as generations then?
0: Um no, because isn't that
1: Because I think first contact...
0: He gets promoted promoted in Generations. And I don't remember... Like at the beginning at that ceremony at sea. And I'm trying to remember where that
1: fell. So I think cuz first contact now we're we're way off the map on the episode description but, but I also <laughs> feel like Matt
0: would just know the answer. Yeah, that's too. true. Um, so first contact <laughs> is
1: the is the uniform change and the uniform change happens between seasons 4 and 5 of DS9. So I think I think Generations is either is at some point this season, I think.
0: Right.
1: Okay. I think he's in a relationship with Deanna at the moment.
0: Yeah. I don't think- I feel like after the show, it was ambiguous at the end of the show.
1: For me. Right. Anyway, <laughs> more on wolf later, when we talk about Klingons.
0: Yes. Um. There was another thing that really made me laugh about this. The at the opening of the episode is that Quark basically gives like an in-world, uh, last time on Deep Space Nine. That's true. Um, and it was just really funny that like you didn't have to watch the previous two episodes. You just got summed up
1: for you it's um yeah it's almost like um oh crikey what's the character in ant-man who does the really really fast recaps of um oh
0: i know the actor it's um michael pena Pena, i don't remember the character's name.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's it's that sort of like slightly <laughs> yeah. comedy uh slanted take, not yeah. made not major barrett's sort of uh
0: exactly.
1: isolate, you know, not isolated, that's yeah. not the right word, but you know what I mean. Um
0: Yeah, like a narration.
1: Narration, yeah. Yeah. Um, was I love fun.
0: Michael Peña doing that by the way. It's so
1: I, I just can't believe they haven't done a Michael Pena sums up the entire history of uh, the MCU to date. <laughs> I, would I, read, like...
0: I would read that novel, by the way, <laughs> 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 just like in his point of view. Like, I just like feel like he would have so many of the details incorrect so that it would be really funny.
1: The Him um, and Evangeline Lilly lip syncing to him, and Paul Rudd lip syncing to him doing that i think in you know, Ant-Man the wasp is is great so hopefully we get yeah. more, more of that in quantum mania
0: that would be fun i haven't rewatched that film in a while
1: it's good um
0: <laughs> i just wanted to say one other thing before we moved on um to our a and b plots i really liked even though it was really just like one like external shot and then like a couple internals like i really enjoyed the stats on chronos The um they were really smoky and foggy and like the the decoration, the decor was very imperialistic looking. Like it just looked really well done and I I thought it was really good.
1: Yeah, the whole of Kronos is a red light district.
0: (laughs) I've never been. My mom went (laughs)
1: when
0: she was like twenty to like Amsterdam and
1: Sorry, um, I thought you were saying your mom went to Kronos and I was like, did she? (laughs) <laughs>
0: no, she went to Amsterdam. Right. Um, but that was so long ago, so it's probably uh, now. I
1: was in Amsterdam a couple of years ago for work. I was having to go every every week or so for two or three mm. days. Uh there are still significantly public and, and visible red light districts, which is fine because, yeah. no, because I sex work is like <laughs> work.
0: I didn't mean like that change. I just meant like yeah. a city's gonna change in, in yes. fifty yeah. years.
1: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure
0: um but yeah so those were really fun sets
1: yeah yeah no i agree completely agree it was great
0: so we kind of separated the episode into like the a plot was to me was Cork slayer of klingons and the B plot was um keiko and miles o'brien so i figure we can talk about keiko and miles first or
1: yeah for sure whichever you prefer Let's go with let's go with the the B plot first. I think um, uh, it's so. I've read a, a couple of things about this, which is that um, the reason why they were one of the reasons why they moved Rosalind Chow off the show as much um, and moved her to Bejew at the end of this is that they wanted to explore Miles and Julian's relationship more and as a massive fan of the relationship (laughs) between miles and julian i kind of okay with that the other thing is and we say this every time i come on the pod is that why aren't miles (laughs) and julian friends yet this is the first episode like apparent. so again i was reading this on on memory alpha this is the first episode they properly start being friends so you had things like the storyteller uh where where they're obviously paired up together but this is the Mm -hmm. first time where julian doesn't project himself into the situation miles asks for his opinion and then julian gives really good advice and um and uh, anyway i'm like jumping a little bit ahead but uh,
0: no but you're you're right like they they had been getting friendlier since the last i think the the last um Epis- miles and julian episode you weren't on and i feel like matt and i were like where's laws he needs to be here for this conversation <laughs> um but yeah so i do feel like it's been growing but you're right miles was working on that one thing which we'll get into and like you he hands the pad to julian and asks him what he thinks and the up until now it's been Jul- Julian trying to be friends with Miles, yeah. and Miles being, like, and grumpy about it. But this is the first time he's, like, reciprocating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is great. It's, it's really it.
0: great. Um, You know what you also really love to see? Um, Keiko's bangs and long hair. <laughs> I don't know why, but I am so into it. Um, probably because, like, the 90s are kind of in right now. But...
1: Do you think she really trimmed like, it with, like, little bonsai scissors, like she trims the little tree?
0: <laughs> Probably. Like, she has a mirror, and she just, like, got bored of the tree. and.
1: Very precision. And, thanks.
0: So Keiko's forced... i have forced, but Keiko decides that she needs to close the school because there's literally only two students left. Who... But she's willing to tutor them. Mm. Um, and she's very visibly upset and depressed over it so that's pretty much the um the catalyst for the this plot
1: yeah yeah it's i I do think it's like weird that he walks in and she's like well well not school close the school and like apparently didn't talk to cisco or ron about it um uh, to me like which is fine it's a, it's a good example of the fact, and they've, they have actually seeded this and shown this a few times in the last couple of seasons, that actually the two of them aren't great at communicating with each other. Yeah. But they clearly love each other, but their communication skills could do with a little bit of work. Um, yeah. And I think that is a development that happens in this episode, right? It's not perfect.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's so funny, like her reaction to this and the way not the sadness and the depression because i that i really Mm. resonated with but the fact that she like does barely tells him Mm. is so foreign to me like my partner would have gotten a call in the middle of the day with me like crying and telling them that i had to close the school like that i would have interrupted their day to tell them that Uh, and like it's just very different from me
1: yeah she i mean she's like He's like, Are you okay? And she being clearly not okay is like, I'm okay, it's all fine and it's like
0: Yeah
1: I mean, please see a therapist. <laughs> you don't have yeah. a there's no counsellor on the station at this point. Apparently. Right.
0: Um and I it, it is really sweet how Miles wants to cheer her up and he's he's making her that romantic dinner and I really do love when they're being romantic together. Um it's I don't even remember what I wrote. Mean. Oh, yeah. So like, yeah, so I love that he's making this nice dinner for her, but like that's also not gonna fix the problem. Mm. Um, you know, it's nice once in a while to have nice things done, but like that's not gonna and this is basically the advice Julian gives him later anyway. Like, that's not gonna fix the root of
1: the problem. You're
0: just putting band-aids on things.
1: Exactly. And I think um and I mean, I don't think they quite get to the root of the problem. Which for me, the root of the problem is that they don't communicate very well to each other. So they they know each other pretty well, but uh, Miles keeps going around trying to fix Keiko's problems for her, and it kind which of works.
0: Sense. He's an engineer. He
1: is an engineer, yeah. and he wants to fix it. And he's a man, and he wants to fix things, right? <laughs> so I think I think I don't I'm, I'm, I don't think it's out of character, but it's just a little bit from both sides i don't think they communicate very well he his his um they're very cute and miles being like i'm married to the most wonderful woman in the galaxy day and it's an irregular holiday it can come up sometimes even twice yeah. in a week um it's, it is cute but it's also like it's reactive to the situation yeah. it's not an actual uh, you know random act of of kindness it feels, it's it trying feels to fix it worst. yeah, yeah. um Um, i
0: was yeah
1: i don't want to be too down on it because it is cute and it is fun and and it resolves in the end but it it does it feels like it centers miles a lot it doesn't really feel like it centers keiko as much
0: yeah because the whole time we're seeing miles try to fix the problem without her input
1: yeah Without yeah. actually talking to her about it. And it's yeah. only at the end when he actually starts talking to her. And even then he says, he he basically fixes the problem, right? He says, I found you this job on Bajor. He doesn't say, you know, look, this isn't working for, for you and therefore it's not working for us. He doesn't say, you know, I've heard about this job on Bajor, would you like to apply for it? He's done all of this research first, which is I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm coming across way more down on this than I mean to, because I no, do I like understand. it. It did feel
0: a little bit um, patronizing, Yeah. but I also felt that in the end he, he didn't say like, I put in your application. So I gave him like the tiniest bit of credit. Um, But yeah, like I just was really happy that he went to Julian and talked to him. And then yes. Julian just, at first it felt out of character. <laughs> it's like Julian giving this like really good advice. Um, but, and Julian's exactly right. You can't take someone's like life career or profession and take that away from them and give them like a semi-related hobby. Like that's not yeah. going to be fulfilling.
1: Yeah. And I mean,
0: for I... those of us that are even lucky enough to be fulfilled by our <laughs> job.
1: No comment. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I agree. And he's, and I think it's actually worse, right? I think I think people can change jobs, they can change careers, they can change vocations even. And clearly there was a decision made by them as a couple to move to Deep Space Nine and, and everyone was aware of the potential impact that would have. But equally it's been more than two years now and feelings change and and, and circumstances change and, it, and they just need to talk to each other about it. Yeah, um, I mean, but,
0: even when he brought it when he brings it up to her, she's like, but we decided we were going to do this, you know? Like, she doesn't even... She's being rigid even though she's unhappy and he yeah. wants her to not be unhappy. So it's, like, obvious to us that he wants to give her options and she's, like, not seeing the big picture because of the promises that they had made to each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and she's being and and you can see where this goes right if they, if this doesn't happen it just goes into resentment and an absolute breakdown of the, of the relationship uh, and it it was kind of going that way until they're they're forced to 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 confront this um but yeah but but, but I particularly just I, I completely agree about the way Julian does it is that he he says it to Miles both of them act a little bit out of character which is that Miles asks Julian's opinion which he doesn't normally do and Julian is self-deprecating about the way he gives the opinion but it is very clear and direct and accurate and helpful uh in the way he delivers which is uh, Julian does occasionally do this like he can he can be a bit of a sexist asshole but he does have a tendency to come to pull it all together in a clutch like in in the mirror universe episode you know you started right. with him being obnoxious to kira but when yeah. it went when you know when things hit the fan julian pulls things together and does very well which is one of the reasons why i love him because you want you don't want that character to just be a bumbling obnoxious buffoon because then you just don't want to spend any time with them so the yeah then they're not helps.
0: worth it and they're not charming and
1: yeah
0: it's not f- amusing
1: yeah but hey um anyway they, they they manage to they they go in the middle with um miles trying to fix it by getting her an arboretum where she goes to Cisco go about and julian's perfectly well he, again in another episode of many great line deliveries julian's whole like um in my experience uh, you know kind words and uh and a smile can get you a couple of hours. Some flowers can get you a couple of days. And arborita, oh, that must be worth at least two months. Is it's a wonderful delivery. It um, was so
0: funny. Um, it was, but it I liked the way it just talked about the analogy of like you're yeah. just giving her a gift. That you're not giving. You're not. You know, it's like your idea of what she should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly. Even, not even like your idea of what she should be doing, your idea with the limited resources you have of what she should be doing.
1: Yeah, and he does it in such a way that is slightly deprecating to himself and but but cushions the blow for what is a, a, a tough thing for Miles to confront, which is that he's just trying to fix things without actually um, addressing, as you say, addressing the root of the problem. Uh, it's a really yeah. good scene. It's a really good scene. I,
0: I feel strong... I feel strongly that Keiko never finds out about the Arboretum, Arboretum.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: that is my hope because she doesn't need to like. Maybe in like twenty years, he could be like, "Oh yeah, remember that time I was trying to come up with anything to help you," and then tell her. Yeah, but um, I think it would just make her mad.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree, uh, but it's very true. Like, it, I I think it's a really good. I think it's one of these thing these things that ds9 does that is that that, that the other star trek shows to date hadn't done is shows the challenges of living and moving to a station shows the challenges of basically being in a war zone and how that impacts civilians and civilian life because really everything on the enterprise where they met is you know is pretty idyllic and utopian uh you uh, not uh, idyllic, not idyllic. I don't know what I was talking about there, but yeah, <laughs> trying to confide. You're
0: just making up your own language. Make up here. yeah,
1: that's what I do. Um very um and it and it it moves episode to episode and everything's resolved and everyone's a happy family, and you have Captain Picard Day and and it's 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 very it's it's fun to watch, but it, it it's not doesn't feel very real. They don't address challenges like this. Human challenges. And um and they do here. Um, you, Lisa, um,
0: you, you sang "Happy Family," made me sing "We're a Happy Family" by the Ramones. I don't know if you know that song. Um.
1: Yes, it's um. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's that's where my mind goes. <laughs> uh, but sorry.
1: yeah. Anyway, they um, they uh, they finally actually have a conversation in the bar at Quarks where keiko is randomly having a go at the darbo girls i don't particularly know why (laughs) other than an intro to the conversation miles finally says oh i
0: thought she was getting not understanding why people are gambling i thought she was being like don't these people get sick of gambling but she didn't use the word gambling but like i think that's what she was criticizing
1: yeah no you're right yeah yeah i think yeah yeah i think you're right um but anyway yeah (laughs) (laughs) they finally they finally talk miles finally says look i don't think you're happy he forces the issue which is right to do because she wasn't going to and um they're able to then have an honest conversation about what's working and what's not working they're able to potentially plot a route forward i don't think it solves all of their problems but i think it's a step in the right direction
0: yeah i agree
1: good job good job us setting it up as well and also uh yes julian is a good boy well done julian good boy
0: he was so proud of him <laughs> i even explained to my mom what he did in this episode that made me proud of him
1: <laughs> um
0: i don't think she cared even though she loves this show but she was like okay at least
1: which is surprised given that 50 years ago she went to kronos
0: that's true <laughs> I just, when they said Cork, Slayer of Klingons, like Slayer of Klingons, I just, it just was very Mother of Dragons to me.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Or
0: like King Slayer or something. It just made me think of Game of Thrones.
1: It's a good Game of Thrones title Slayer of Klingons, yes. Klingon Slayer. Kling, Kling Slayer.
0: Yes, Kling Slayer. Oh my gosh. That is a little bit of a mouthful, though. (laughs) No. yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um so there's a Klingon dude named Kozak that accidentally uh dies in Quark's bar and then Quark realizes that people cannot look away from a train wreck. So he tells this like ridiculous story about how he killed this guy in self defense, uh, to drum up bar business. And it's just so Ferengi, and I love it, and it's such a what a smart businessman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's so um he's so opportunistic right he's basically getting depressed that no one's in his bar apart from Morn and the drunk on who hasn't got any money anyway um
0: <laughs> yeah he wanted a credit
1: he wanted credit <laughs> and um yeah there's a there's a, a rule of acquisition which is when Morn leaves it's all over um or something <laughs> like that and i i can't actually remember the very final shot of Deep Space Nine, but it feels like a perfect way to finish Deep Space Nine would have been to have Morn leave the station or <laughs> something. Oh, I
0: would have liked that. That's yeah. really funny. He's uh Armin is so we talked about this already, but Armin's so good in this episode. Um, there's that scene where it was it Odo was telling him like all the bad things that like Kozak does, and he's just like, Well, he was bound to get himself killed eventually anyway, or something like that. And I'm just It's so funny.
1: (laughs) And he's not wrong. (laughs) Like, that guy was a walking death race.
0: Yeah, like, everything that the Frangie does, like the Frangie people do, is, like, so my humor. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are problematic things that we have not gotten to yet. um, And some that we've seen already. And many of them. But, like, this little stuff where they, like, just show them doing like capitalism like it oh it always anything that's satiric that's like satirical about capitalism is like my favorite sense of humor like that is which is like bad because obviously people are actually suffering um mm. under it but like at the same time like making fun of it it just amuses me
1: it's an interesting one isn't it because certainly the Ferengi as uh, they were like first season villains in next gen right um and yeah. they, were, they were a lot harsh harsher then they were a lot less comic of, uh, relief and and therefore they were a little bit more of a scathing satire of capitalism whereas now they're like a, a little bit of a oh isn't capitalism silly ha 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 uh, yeah. which 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 blunts the blunts the satire a bit but i don't really care because i love quark and i love armin and it, and and i like I, some of the others yeah. as well
0: I think the reason why it works for me is because in those early TNG episodes, they kind of made the Ferengi very bumbling and not as intelligent. Like, they didn't, oh, they usually got foiled. Like, they, they usually were foiled. Yeah. And so this works for me because they win sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and and they win because of their intelligence. But in this yeah. case, I mean, again, jumping ahead slightly, but in this yeah. case, the, the quark wins by not being Ferengi, right? By being brave. Like the 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 Ferengi call is to run away, and when given the opportunity, and he chooses not to. And I think it's I've started. I don't have this fully formed, so this will be part one in a in a continuing series of Lars tries to work out what's going on with Quark. But I feel like there's a there's something about Quark about how he's an outsider, both in terms of on the station, but also to Ferengi society, and how he plays himself up as a Ferengi, like he in ways that you don't see actually rom or nog or 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 actually many of the other ferengis you you see maybe the nagas but um he plays up the sort of like the misogyny and the cut your wages to zero and and stuff in a way that feels like he's trying to overcompensate that that whether it's being away from ferengina he feels like he's missing something or whether he feels like he's actually not that much like the other ferengi you know, he has, he wants to be a bar owner. He, you know, yes, he has all his schemes of getting richer, but he never wants to not have the bar. He wants to talk to people. He wants people to think well of him. He wants respect, which comes up to, a few times in this episode. Yeah. And I do think it's it's really interesting if you look at, at him, Odo to an extent, Worf to an extent on Next Gen as well, as outsiders to their own culture because they do oh, not- Oh, for sure. They do not live in and around it. They are they're sort of isolated in someone else's culture. Um so again.
0: I, I can I see that um, for sure.
1: Because I think Worf does it a bit as well. I think you see Worf kind of thinking, kind of almost being a fundamentalist klingon like trying to overdo the the honor and the the right way to do yeah. things, because all the other Klingons we meet are way more fun than Wolf. Basically, yeah. they're, they're all well, and they're read all.
0: About, I mean, he basically read about it in a textbook.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and, and again, like that that's that's not a a criticism because it's not not unreasonable when you when you're brought up like that to have to try and learn that way. Um I
0: wonder sorry. Okay. I won I wonder if they were trying to say something similar. Like in this episode we find out that Wharf that Wharf that um Quark and Rom's dad isn't alive anymore and I don't know that we something that we knew beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um and it kind of makes me wonder if part of that is the fact that maybe they didn't have a father for a long time. Or there could be some because their society is so misogynistic that maybe they did grow up a little bit differently. So he could well, be overcompensating.
1: Well, but also I think he's overcompensating because I don't think he is actually the same as the other Ferengi, right? So he's No no he's, I agree. He's he's trying to Yeah, he's trying to pass almost, right? Like he's Right. He's he's the uh, like i don't want to overdo this analogy but like he's closet, <laughs> he's closeted and is overperforming masculinity so that he doesn't have to to confront what who he truly is which is which is a ferengi but not not uh, not in a in the same way and i think obviously the impact that his mother had on his life um i don't how many moogie episodes have we had so far i don't
0: know that we've had i don't Remember if we if not met one
1: if, yet. We haven't met so we if we haven't met his mother yet. His mother is uh, is again a phenomenal character, a phenomenal performance as well. And, is
0: wonderful, yes.
1: Yeah, and um and she she plays such a, a key role uh in in who Quark is and setting that standard for him, which is different from other Ferengi. Anyway, I'm trying I just to find out when she pops
0: in. But I don't disagree with you, although I about the the closetedness but i would say it's more his his sexuality than the masculine and feminine like i i think
1: oh yeah i don't he's think he's
0: open to all uh types of uh sex uh, he,
1: <laughs> he, he is absolutely no, um, like
0: i agree with you but also like i think it's just like he's bisexual <laughs>
1: no i i yeah i i think we can claim uh quark as one of us um, no, I I meant sure. more as a comparison to to a a closeted. No, I know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's, it's
1: it's a poorly thought out idea, but uh, but we will see how it develops over. Uh... No, I think
0: it's interesting, <laughs> even if it turns out to you know get unproven, it's still interesting.
1: Yeah. But it just shows what a great job Armin did in uh, in three you know three-dimensionalizing whatever the right phrase is for the the character who could be so who could have been so two-dimensional who could have just been a a a joke character and i think the work that him and his interactions with renee and with avery in the first season particularly do such a good job of establishing the subtlety of the character and the fact that he just cares so much what other people think about him and he right. just cares. so. Would,
0: yeah. I would even add his interactions with Dax.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they get, they get better and better as well. Those, those interactions. Yeah, I Dax. had
0: one, um, there was an episode where Dax was like, tr- I forget which episode it was, but he, she was supposed to, it was like some, someone, some, a Trill guy came to like, do like an internship with her. To find yeah. Them a good uh, if he they'd be a good host and there's a lot of her interactions with quark they are playing um
1: the game that
0: i yes they were playing tongo and like it was just fun to see her like hang with the guys
1: because
0: that is something that she did a lot as curzon and so like it obviously is important to her so it's nice to see her get to do that and like quark flirts with her and but also like they're friends and he cares about her.
1: I agree. I agree. She, he flirts with her and she flirts back with him because that's Oh, totally. It's definitely both um, ways. You know, uh, Dax flirts with everyone. Um, yeah. And the only person who's That's jealous...
0: why she's wonderful.
1: Yeah. And that's the, the only person who's truly jealous of Dax flirting with anyone else is Kira. <laughs> hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: For now. We'll see. That changes. <laughs> that does change later.
0: So I one thing I would say that I really like about this episode is it talks a little bit about Klingon death rituals from the sense of like you want to die with honor, um, and how important that is. And like I'm kind of really into learning different groups' death rituals, like Klingons obviously need to have an honorary, de- honorable death. Ferengi they like sell their Parts of them to to people and uh jews like myself um sit shiva and i just think it's so interesting to see like what everyone does i
1: I think the klingon honorable death thing i mean obviously there was a lot of orientalism with klingons in the original series but to me it feels more like a viking thing like if you die in battle you go to valhalla
0: Valhalla. yeah I, i i watch um the last kingdom is one of my favorite
1: shows not and
0: that's something that like comes up all the time in that show so I definitely I run it that way as well
1: um yeah yeah no I, I agree it's very fascinating um it, it you you mentioned it in notes and it just reminded me that there's an episode of Babylon 5 where uh Ivanova sits Shiva and um if you do not know Babylon 5 and you do not know Ivanova She would be one of your favorite characters, I feel. She's like
0: the
1: the set, she is very like Kira in that she's the second in command of the station, uh, although she's human, um, not alien in this case. And she's extremely spiky and um, fun and bisexual.
0: I am, if not to say actually fully
1: gay, she might be fully gay, I'm not sure. Mm
0: i'm only partial gay
1: fully gay good (laughs) grief what on earth just keep that in and drag me for it please
0: (laughs) um she's hot i'm looking at a a photo
1: yeah anyway girl cut Grilka. Grilka's good so hot. Good segue. I was looking for a way to just drag us back, but you were like, smooth. Someone's a professional. <laughs>
0: I'm so professional. So Kozak's widow, Grilka, shows up. Um, and I love that she, she's so smart. After threatening Cork for two seconds, she realizes there's no way this guy killed my husband. <laughs> oh, so funny
1: her outfits whoever did the clothing on this episode the costuming i should say her outfits are all incredible like she turns up and it's just this hooded presence you can't see her face at all yeah uh it's an incredible cloak uh, a well-directed really interesting direction on it as well and then and quark is just like depends who's asking <laughs> they're like immediately flirting as well um, um I even when they don't story, know it
0: basically... She basically would just looks like Gandalf in the Two Towers, like when um, <laughs> yeah 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 when they're like, "Who's this dude in white?" <laughs> uh,
1: except she has a freaking cool dagger instead of uh, yeah. a star. Oh my god,
0: that was fabulous.
1: She, she basically yeah uh, she she takes takes her hood down, looks amazing, pulls a dagger out, and says, "Defend yourself!" And it's very awesome and hot.
0: <laughs> we like
1: we like Rilke.
0: Yes. Um. Although I have questions about how she's able to kidnap him off the station, um, you would think logistically that they would have some sort of like security checks in place that you can't just like randomly teleport people off the station.
1: Um, do they teleport them off, or do they go to like a a ship? I can't remember. Do they go to a ship was that's like, docked? There was a teleportation. No, it
0: was a tele. Yeah, it was right, a okay. teleportation. Um, it feels it, like it was just an easier way to not have like a scene where they were running or something.
1: Yeah, I guess it's a weird one, isn't it? Like unauthorized teleporting. But how do you how do you like? Presuming teleporting is needed for a, for the running of the station, then it needs to be open. I don't know. Not yeah, because
0: they use it to get people to stick pay all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. It is a bit like. Yeah, I, I guess the question is whether Odo was like. Eh, he absolutely <laughs> lied about this, and he absolutely deserves what's coming to him and I look forward to hearing him tell the story about it later. That's
0: funny I love that um that's really funny, okay, so there's a lot of fit plot here with regard to like what happens, but like the t l d r is that if Kozak died in an accident, like in a non-honorable way with no male heir, the, then um, they might say, "Oh, this is a special situation," and then it's possible possible that Grilka can be head of the house. If he died honorably without a male heir, there's no he would the house would just fall, and his like shady brother wants to take over. That's yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um yeah there's a thing it's bad it's a compelling enough event for what happens next which is that Grilka decides (laughs) decides to uh uh hold a knife at Quark's throat um always the best way to get married with a knife at your throat
0: I mean I would let Grilka marry me if she had a knife at my throat I'm not gonna lie
1: yeah, you wouldn't kick her out of bed for having a knife at your throat. I,
0: would, I wouldn't kick her out of the wedding.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is very good. Yeah, uh, again, costuming, great. Like, they've got, like, these wedding robes. I think we yeah, might have like seen like them before, them but, like, yeah, it looks great on them. It kind of uh, looked
0: like one of the jackets that um Daniel Craig wore when I saw him in Macbeth last week. Because they used... Uh, but, like... It was I don't just know like if
1: I don't know if people heard the thud that uh, Elise just dropped that name. Um, but
0: <laughs> I was, I was in the mezzanine, so I wasn't that close to him, but I was close enough. Okay. It was wonderful.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, he wore this like because they it, this they um had like modern costume, right? And so he was wearing a um, just a fur coat. <laughs> It was but,
1: very um, funny. Are you aware of the British-English phrase, all fur coat, no knickers?
0: Um, I have not heard that, but he was wearing his pajamas under it. Yeah. so
1: It's unfortunate. Uh, all, all mouth and no trousers is another corollary of the same, same okay.
0: concept. I've heard that one before, but I don't know that I thought of what it meant. <laughs>
1: um. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, surprise wedding at knife point, which is basically... Grilka's attempt to give him that the dodgy brother did we mention the dodgy brother? What was his name?
0: Yeah, I said dr- Dart Degore D- apostrophe something.
1: Degore or something. He just like said it. the Go brother
0: on. wanted to, if the brother wanted to take over the house and that he's shady.
1: That's cool. I'm not sure cool. he even is the brother. Like I think he claims to be his brother on the stage. I of-
0: think they probably well, the one guy said that the older guy said that their families had been fighting for like seven generations yeah. so they probably aren't like of the same parents
1: yeah but so maybe anyway. they're like
0: in the same generation from like the two lines
1: yes yeah so they're, so he's basically trying to take over the house he wants he wants it um so therefore he wants to block this um uh Accidental death thing. So if it's an honourable death, the house falls and he can take it over. But she then uses the some other point of Klingon marriage law, which says that she <laughs> ki- that, that if she marry. But basically, it seems like someone who kills someone else is entitled to marry their wife and take all their lands. Um, except- it
0: feels very like um, what's it called, Dothraki or something.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really good point um but she's based, but the the nice twist on this is she's using she's taking advantage of what is pretty clearly a um a patriarchal law to manipulate the situation in yeah. her favor uh so as a result we get a sighting of Gawron uh, who's yes. amazing and every Every time he's doing some sort of reaction shot in this uh, episode, and there's a lot of them, they're all incredible. They're just just incredible eye <laughs> work. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> back, back, to the, back to the episode. Garon is, Garon is here and he's great. Um, so he basically has to accept the the law change. And you could tell that he sort of knows something dodgy is up. So he's playing along to find out what's going on um so he says uh, for the time being whilst we investigate this the house of kozak will be known as the house of because he doesn't know quark's name so he asks quark his name and quark's like quark and he gets the house of quark <laughs> <laughs> his delivery is incredible so the house of quark uh but that gets corrected to the house of quark um and they then go back to Grilka's house, and she's like, "Why are you talking? Just do what I tell you to do. And he's like, okay, what's next? And she's like, I don't know, I haven't thought beyond this. (laughs) I'm making it up as I go along.
0: So that scene is where I first was like, oh, this is a rom-com.
1: Right. Because
0: prior to now, they were, like, forced together because of this accidental death, and now they're kind of, they're in it together. Yes. And, like, She's been know it all the whole time, and now she doesn't know it all, and he has to help with his like wily ways, and it just felt so tropey, and I loved
1: it. Yes, it's great. The the the, the next section where they're like working together, and um, uh, basically Quark realizes that um, that um, Degore has been manipulating their assets.
0: Yeah, do you, <laughs> like, like um. The- devaluing their uh, devaluing that the, land. the, the <laughs>
1: land doing deals basically deliberately making everything uh less valuable less valuable um uh in some way that happens it doesn't really matter it, it's not important how it happens it's just that it's financial and underhand and ferengi and so he can <laughs> he can apply his understanding uh the finance systems of uh of chronos to um to be able to um, to work out what had happened, and then he can pre- present that information back to um, back to Gowron and back to the High Council about what's going on. And then you get this absolutely incredible scene where you've got like 10 old Klingons looking at <laughs> a spreadsheet. And they're all- Unlike what looks
0: like a palm pilot. What That's looks so like, like a
1: weird palm pilot and klingon palm pilot and all of them just look so befuddled and confused and, and it's March
0: just is just like the asset tabulation on column j <laughs>
1: it's so good and then and
0: like just, just to just to like explain lozzy and i love spreadsheets so this is like very exciting for us we've been like watching um all the jack ryan films over the last few months and we made like a huge spreadsheet to like figure out what days worked and like what streaming stations everything was on for our friends so it's we love we love a spreadsheet
1: i mean and this is a basic spreadsheet right they're not he's not even getting into an index match scenario that truly blow (laughs) their mind but um, (laughs) their their expressions are great
0: just like a basic like assets equal like you know, capital minus liability or something like that.
1: Simple, basic spreadsheet (laughs) equations.
0: (laughs) I took accounting.
1: Auto-filled down to the bottom. Maybe there's an error in it somewhere. But um, (laughs) what is the... Sorry, now we're going off on one. What is the Ferengi name for Excel?
0: Oh, my God.
1: Is it just, like, rules? Like, rules of acquisition, or is it...
0: No. Hold on, hold on. Okay, because you think of Excel excellence.
1: And it's also, like x with a cell because there's lots of cells
0: yes oh i, I never
1: <laughs> i mean i today literally I just learned... thought of that it might not be true <laughs>
0: today i learned um i want to like put the word latinum in there somewhere yes I yeah i don't know it's gonna the, take me a it's while. not
1: x lat that's that's not right no but...
0: that's that sounds horrible no just kidding um i don't know
1: i don't know acquisitions or something yeah anyway to be continued and another to be continued feature where we work out the different the different names for excel in every uh every world in star trek um oh but the
0: um is the are just like fuck this shit
1: yeah uh, yeah quite um, and Garon does this just incredible like he 's basically like, Okay, my brain is broken, I know something 's wrong, I am not prepared to spend any more of my brain in understanding why it 's wrong that's someone else 's problem, and he just tosses this uh, tosses it away with this just incredible flick. Uh, of his hand and it it, rem- it it again you just look at it and go how many takes did they do of this scene because i think every actor in that scene is absolutely losing it all, all the time um and um it really reminds me i don't know if you've seen uh dr horrible sing-along musical mm,
0: mm, i have not
1: okay it's a it's, <laughs>
0: that it's was the, I, i'm familiar with its existence and that's fine. about it
1: okay there, there's a scene in one of the episodes where um captain hammer as played by uh nathan fillion is uh who always has really big gloves on um he's uh standing at a, a lectern uh reading out from some cue cards and he starts starts reading um and uh and he just gets frustrated with reading them and he just goes, I don't need tiny cute cards and just throws them away and flicks them away. <laughs> it reminded me of that in the same sort of way. That's funny. And you've also got Quark just walking around like really like... Uh, enjoying himself he's he's flicking his his little robe thing so he's got this sort of like it's not a full cloak because it's like his arms are free i don't know don't the true don't know the true fashion term for this uh but he's like he's what he's sort of like
0: like some sort of type of thing
1: yeah well you because know, he's just got it's just like straight down um okay. his his body um and it's separate uh i don't know and there's no arms to it I don't know. anyway i don't know what it's called but, but Quark is working it and he is flaring it out <laughs> and he is being cocky about the whole thing. And of course he hasn't thought this through because what happens if you threaten someone's honor in Klingon is they declare a jewel on you.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, it reminded me of um, the 2004 Republican national convention um, on MSNBC. So it the- just for some inf- background zell miller who was allegedly a uh, democrat um he was i don't remember if he was speaking or supporting the republican uh or the bush or whatever and he and like chris matthews who i fucking hate um was asking him and i so i basically don't like any of these people um was like asking what? Him questions.
1: Jo- journalists and politicians in the u.s and you don't yeah. care for them <laughs> Shocking.
0: Um, exactly. And then um. Yeah, he, he, like, pissed off Zell Miller. And Zell Miller was like... And keep in mind, folks, I watched this live on TV. This, like, really happened. And then I have to put it on YouTube because it's ridiculous. Um. Zell Miller was like, I wish we lived in the time when I could challenge you to a duel or something like that. And I just lost my shit. So anytime anyone challenges anyone to a duel in anything I'm watching, regardless of, like if it's Outlander or D space nine, both Ronald D Moore properties. Um, true,
1: true, true, true.
0: I think of Zell Miller and Chris Matthews.
1: Yeah. It's not quite up to the level of, um, is it a Dharma challenges? Hilo to in the boxing <laughs> ring. That's great. great. That's great. Yes. Yeah. I, I would have preferred it if he mm-hmm. did, if, if, um, Klingons had to pick up a glove and slap someone across the face. but no they can just say jewel it's a jewel my honor and um yeah and then
0: Um, then i very much in i very much enjoyed the couple of seconds that quark had a with in his hands yes um i was like oh my god my boy's about to get murdered but then he drops it and outsmarts them
1: yeah, he just plays it, absolutely. He plays it, he plays basically the only hand he has. Well, there's the, the other thing that, that we missed out is that actually he tries yeah. to leave because Rom's there as well for reasons. Oh, right, Rom, like, reasons. the
0: news that he actually didn't die in an honourable yeah. way. Yeah,
1: and um, so basically Quark is like, this is ridiculous, I will die, I'm. we've got to flee, we've got to run away. And yeah. Grilka... Um, finds him trying to leave and basically he's just you know she it's it's what she expected in this is absolutely part of your romantic comedy because it looks like um he's gonna be- betray horror or run away and yeah she just expresses that she's not she's not angry she's just disappointed and um
0: exactly.
1: and he just goes god damn it <laughs> basically <laughs> uh, and Rom just looks at him with puppy dog eyes and he's like god damn it <laughs> okay i have to go <laughs> i have to go so he goes back into the council chamber and and he's a hundred percent right in what he says which is they, they have battle left against each other and and Quark just throws it on the floor and goes this is not a, a duel this is an execution i have no training i am a ferengi you have lived this life for 40 years as a warrior This is not, uh, this is not, uh, there's no honor in this because there isn't any honor in it. And I'm going to make you face and confront the fact that there's no honor in this. And, uh, and he does so with bravery, basically, you know, he could, he He could have
0: just gotten murdered at that
1: point. Well, he could have got murdered or he could have just gone, right? He could have gone. I don't care about the guilt. My own skin matters more to me. Right, he could have kept yeah and that's that's the difference between quark and a lot of the other klingons is that he's actually when push comes the to freaky, self, you mean sorry yeah what did i say the klingons yeah um yeah. he he actually is brave when when in his own way when it comes to it um and he, he is about people yeah and he also is able to recognize what is honor and what isn't honor and what is what is uh, a facade for honor. And and when the when the Klingons are using that facade, and and you could tell that all the Council are prepared to go along with it until they are until they're called on it, and then they go, yes, it's not honourable. We know it's not honourable. We would have let it happen, but when we're forced to confront it, we we know yeah, we can't. You're not
0: going to embarrass all of us.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah. So he throws it away. De Gaulle basically said, "Well, I'll kill you anyway," and Garon basically.
0: basically like, fuck you bye yeah
1: yeah uh, because decor isn't honorable and um and garon stops him and, and realizes exactly he as i said i think garon always knew something shady was going on and yeah. he's, he's prepared to let it play out because he's a politician until he's forced yeah. forced to engage and um yeah and and he says uh he says something like who'd have thought it uh, a, an honourable Ferengi or a brave Ferengi or something like that. Yeah. So this all goes to confirm my 100% accurate theory that Quark is a better Klingon than Wharf. <laughs> because he actually mm. understands honour, r- truly understands it and understands when it's not there and when it is there. And he knows what to do when, he's, when push comes to shove rather than slightly overperforming it and actually not being any fun whatsoever. Quark is fun and honourable. Worf is yeah. performatively honourable and not much fun.
0: I love Worf.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm absolutely... I more to say later. I'm absolutely shitposting here. <laughs> Live <laughs> on Quark. <Clearly. laughs> um, yeah. We'll,
0: we'll get to Worf when we get to Worf. <clears throat> no, and,
1: I agree with you about Quark, though. So, um... So uh Garon decides, okay, there is enough random circumstances here, um, and says to Grilka you can have the you can run the house as you choose, with or without Quark, basically. Uh which is cool. Like he does like you can tell that he's for all the fact that he still doesn't really like Ferengi and doesn't really want them around, he gives her the option and he is he respects the way that Quark behaved. And um uh, and it's great. And Krilka comes up to Clark and says, "Thank you. I can't, can't thank you enough. What, what can I give you?" And he says, uh, "A divorce, please. No offense."
0: Before we um, get into how that relates to our next segment, mm. I have a question for you. Yes. Where does this episode, not to put you on the spot, but how does this episode affect your Miles O'Brien series?
1: My Miles O'Brien is a Nexus being theory. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it continues to confirm that Miles O'Brien is a Nexus being. Um, apart from the fact that he's because he's this he, he is the same in he's slightly dopey, slightly unaware of what's going on until forced to confront it by Julian. In fact, okay, I'm glad you asked me this because I've forgotten about it. right. So what happens? But
0: don't forget anything. Okay. No,
1: that's not true. I forget a lot of things. <laughs> so so in um. Uh, In the Mirror episode, um, he's basically just keeping his head down, not paying attention to the bigger picture of what's going on until he's forced by Julian to confront the reality of it. And as a result, he acts and makes changes and it improves. In this episode, he's not really clear on the actual root cause of what's going on. He's been keeping his head down. He hasn't been noticing the signs in the way. And then he's forced... By initially um Keiko's decision to close close the school, but then by Julian to confront what's going on, he acts on it a bit more decisively and he's um and he improves things for the better so in the mirror universe, everyone is a bad version of themselves it's not just a you're in a different universe and you and someone made one decision differently, and this just affected you. Everyone is a bad version of themselves. Apart from Miles O'Brien, who is the same being in every universe. <laughs> I love it. Um, I had I completely forgotten I uh, came up with that utter nonsense. So thank you for <laughs> allowing me to remind me about it and double down. I on
0: remember, it. I'll be honest, I remembered about 10 minutes ago.
1: <laughs> so
0: I like held on to it nice. until we were done with the quirk part. Yeah.
1: Very nice. Very nice.
0: So. Are you feeling a little thirsty?
1: I am. I am.
0: That's great. <laughs> I don't do this part as good as Matt does. <laughs> um something, something. Altar water thirst quencher. Uh
1: yeah, as you said at the beginning, this is an extremely horny episode. There is at least three uh people um who hook up in some way in this. Yes. So Keiko and, Keiko and Miles absolutely he he's making her a dinner she comes up is so impressed and so charmed by him and they absolutely let that food go cold who knows oh, whether totally. that and then subsequently eat it in bed together is my my head yeah. on that
0: yeah no i i'm i'm with you on that <laughs> until he had to go to work the next day and she got sad again <laughs> yeah. or like was sad the whole time because you know yeah things don't just get fixed with the dinner yeah. um more more totally hooked up
1: right yeah so morn leaves so that that, that initial incident before quark uh causes yeah, it a in, the cold to, open. yeah mm-hmm. in the cold open he uh he basically leaves with um a dabber girl i guess it's normally that with morn isn't it so yeah morn was absolutely hooked up 100% agree um but then most importantly we have Multiple instances of Grilka and Grilka and Quark being incredibly hot together.
0: Yes, um, I'm just gonna go for like the most, the highest level first. Grilka. So when Quark asks for the divorce, and she's basically like, "Okay, I'll give it to you right now," she slaps him across the face and then spits on him. That awoken things in me. I was so into her bossing him around the whole episode like Grilka call me
1: yeah it's incredibly hot uh, and then then she but then she properly gives him a, a, a true kiss loves loves true kiss and yeah. uh, and was um, kiss it was a great kiss and then says Kaplar Quark and, and he just goes Kaplada, you too baby <laughs> pretty much um <laughs> But there's, an, there's another great scene, uh, yes. which you also noted, which I had down as well yes. Um, yes. earlier, where when he's worked out the finances, when he's done his um, Latinum spreadsheet, whatever we call it. Yeah, I,
0: I can prove everything.
1: I can prove everything. Um, she's a, um, They just do a close-up of the two of them and, and they're both mm-hmm. very happy. And it, again, wonderful piece of writing, wonderful performance, which is that... Um, you don't know that anything's happened. Um, And she says, I really am very grateful for all you've done, Quark. That is why I'm going to to take your hand off my thigh instead of shattering every bone in your body. And then they both...
0: smiling the
1: whole time. So the whole time. And you don't know that it's happened. And it's really well performed. And they both start laughing. And he's got a slight cackle. And then um he like lifts his hand straight up and then takes his other hand and moves his hand away it's just an incredible choice like
0: i'm doing it yeah don't don't hurt me
1: yeah uh, podcasting <laughs> is a is a visual medium as we all know so you can't see us doing that but um it's hopefully
0: it's, you watch the episode
1: <laughs> yeah it's such a good um it's such a good little bit and then they go and- let's go to the council.
0: And uh, Mary Kay Adams said that, that that scene with the hand thing was actually really fun for them. So yeah. they had a really good laugh um, doing that scene. Like they were both thinking it was very funny.
1: And it's a great example of like, you don't need to show that. Like you. I don't... was just
0: going to say the same thing. Like you can have a, someone be a creep without like the actor having to touch the other person like i just think you don't need to see this is the t- kind of show you don't need to see that yeah. happening at
1: all you know what um, it's like
0: yeah
1: it's completely consistent with his character yeah it's a bit icky but we like him and we like him in this episode we don't need to see yes. him actually doing that in order for it to happen yeah for sure so <laughs> yep. yeah yeah i um uh, Sh- real cause incredible yes it's like,
0: so funny i was related to that real quick like i would i rewatch the philadelphia story yesterday i don't know if you've seen that but...
1: i have not
0: oh i will i will change that um <laughs> but like
1: there's a if anyone that? else wants to know that uh elise is holding up a dagger to my throat she's just about <laughs> to slap me across the face and spit in me and make me watch the philadelphia <laughs> story which is a film i have no idea what it's about whether that is an appropriate joke to make <laughs> or not
0: I mean there's some some stalking in that uh in that uh okay. <laughs> in that uh, movie anyway there's this one character that's like uh, you know he's a pincher right. and like it kind of like he's a he's very pervy but he's also one of my favorite characters in the movie <laughs> right so Pro- it's remi- like Clark reminds me of uncle willy <laughs>
1: <laughs> problematic faves uncle willie is yeah. an unfortunate unfortunate character name as well
0: <laughs> and they call him uncle willie the whole time
1: wow it's incredible
0: great. i really yeah we're, i'll make you watch this movie it's my favorite movie so okay. we don't have a choice. <laughs> great all right do you have any other um thirst quenching thoughts
1: just yeah as you say everything about grilka is incredible and um she's like what a what an impact for a guest character to make i don't know there's been an awful lot of guest stars on the show and up to up to this point and i don't know a single one who's a one episode i know she comes back later but who's a one episode character who is so impactful yeah in in terms of the presence they make i'm trying to think if there are any and i can't well because
0: i i've mentioned this before on the show like I'm kind of like one of those people where if I'm watching this show and someone, something or something happens once, I may not even remember it. And like, even like the episode where they get the Defiant, I mentioned um, this a couple episodes ago. I mentioned when Matt and I were recording how the first time I watched it, everyone's like, What do you think about the Defiant? And I was like, I didn't know I was supposed to care about that. (laughs) So, um, like, my point is, is that Grelka is something someone I will remember I always remember and always think about so I am agreeing with you it's it's something that stayed with me even though this is this was only the second and third time because I watch it twice always is the Mm. second and third time I've seen this episode and I remembered it and the premise and everything
1: yeah yeah as you said like you don't you don't often remember the episodes so for a what is basically a complete standalone episode Yeah, you know she's made an impact so fantastic performance fantastic writing fantastic directing uh thumbs up all around guys good job good show good and and again julian good boy good boy julian
0: (laughs) what do you do you have a most star trek thing of the episode
1: um um not nothing massively. I guess there's just like there's Klingons, and it's and it's about honor. Is probably yeah, yeah. That's
0: fair. I don't really have a top thing either, but um, I will comment that this might be the poofiest galeron's hair had, has ever been.
1: He's still he's he's such an incredible performance. Like this is a man who's like my entire face is covered in this. Thick prosthetics and makeup. I look nothing like myself. So I, the one thing that looks like myself and is no different is my eyes. And my eyes are going to do <laughs> a lot of work.
0: <laughs> He's such a good eye. He's a good face actor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we will see more of that later on as well. Yes.
0: Yeah. This is one of many. The Deep Face Nine Klingon episodes are very good in my opinion.
1: I agreed uh, 100%.
0: Well, thank you for joining me today. This has been wonderful. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you online?
1: Uh, You can find me at MattyHugh uh, on Twitter and Left (laughs) No, Come back soon, Matt. Don't make me do this again. You're better at it than me. Um, I'm much happier as a guest. Uh, I am on Twitter at Mina Englishman.
0: And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. You can find Matt and me together on Twitter. You can find Matt and me together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRates. You can also email us at Podwraiths at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. And thank you again to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. Until next time, computer and program.
1: Bye.